Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Monday, December 11th, 2017. This is episode 173, Music Education for All the Wrong Reasons. I had a lesson with a private student of mine recently, and he said something which was upsetting. He's one of my top students, and he has been working extremely hard over the past two years to prepare himself for various auditions and competitions. And I would like to believe, based on all my discussions with him, he seems to be doing all of these things for all of the right reasons. But during this lesson, he shared with me that one of his friends in school was doing the same auditions and competitions for all of the wrong reasons. And I said to him, I said, when you mean wrong reasons, are you talking about college resumes? Are you talking about wanting to just simply be better than other people? What is it? What's the wrong reason? And he said, well, it's primarily the resume. But he said, more than anything, it's because his parents are forcing him to do it. And he knows that he's pretty good at playing his instrument. So for that reason, his parents are dropping all kinds of money on private instruction. And the student is going through with all of these auditions and competitions for all of the wrong reasons. It was upsetting because when I think of music education with all students, I always consider my role to be establishing a strong foundation of music fundamentals, which is basically a fancy way of saying knowing how to read music. Being able to take this foreign language and do something with it. But I always like to go one step further. And it's always my hope that students will leave my tutelage as well as those who work with me with an appreciation for the arts as a whole. It is not important to me that they listen to 
Beethoven 24-7. It's not important to me that Bill Chase or Stan Getz or Miles Davis are important artists on a playlist. It doesn't matter to me if they leave school and they never want to see a marching band again, much less march in one. However, it is important that our children leave any music educational situation having an appreciation for what they experienced. I always say to students, I'll say a name like Mariah Carey, and some students will go, ew, yuck, ooh, I don't like that person. And some of the pretentious clash, uh, classical snobs out there, and I say that with tongue-in-cheek because I have certainly been one of those throughout the course of my life, but some of the pretentious ones out there might say, ooh, yuck, ooh, that voice. But you know what? That's a special voice in the history of music. And I say to students, you know, you don't have to like her. You don't have to like her singing. You don't even have to like her voice or anything that she's about. You have to appreciate it, though. You have to appreciate the talent when it's there. It's the same appreciation people have for sports figures. You may not like someone like Tom Brady. I don't. But when the chips are down, he delivers. That's just a fact. He delivers every time. May not always be a win. Usually it is. But he's special. He's a special athlete in the history of sports so if we if people have the capability of being able to rec recognize a special athlete in one of the major American professional sports or the Olympics or just having an appreciation for nature. Well, we need to have that same appreciation when it comes to music and the arts. And that's always been my mission. That's always been my mission since the very first day I taught in the schools. It all goes back to my very first year of teaching. And I hope this story proves to be inspirational to those who teach music, those who are learning music, and especially for the parents and students out there who are involving the students with experiences purely for 
first place awards and things to jam on a on a resume or put into a portfolio. During my first year of teaching, I taught and uh, I taught a middle school general music class, which really I turned into a music appreciation class. I had complete control over what was going to be in the curriculum. And it was one of those moments in my career you couldn't have scripted it any better because my principal was observing me. And this was my second observation of the school year. And while my principal was in the back of the room, it just so happens that she decided to select the seventh grade class, which had major behavior problems. This class was really tough. And sadly, a lot of kids who were in that particular class went on to have a lot of difficulties uh, after, uh, after middle school, when they were in high school and now into adulthood. Uh, most of them are now, I would guess they're in their early 30s. But when they were 12 years old, quite a few of them were a handful. And I remember teaching a lesson on Beethoven. This was a class that only had me for a 30-day cycle. I taught six cycles, 180 days in the school year, 30 days per cycle. And 30 days I had to go through, if you can believe it, as much of the history of music as I could. And I felt very strongly about making Beethoven particularly important. One of my favorite composers. And I decided to spend two days just on Beethoven. And we were in the middle of my second day, and this was when I was being observed, and I had a student in the front row, John, notorious troublemaker in the school. And while I was talking about Beethoven's life, he just, he was so locked in. And then we started listening to some of his music. And I got into his fifth symphony. And I explained to the class that he simply took those four notes. Da, 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 da. Took those four notes and spun an entire movement of music. And then I explained to them and I said, you know, the first movement is so amazing. And you watch these building blocks on how he just takes this theme and it gets picked apart and it's not four notes anymore. And now it's only three notes, now it's only two notes, now it's only one note. And there's an oboe solo in the middle. It's it's the best way to explain it is just someone who's just breaking all the rules and doing something that, you know, something that is just completely unacceptable in classical music. And then I talked about the third and fourth movements, Ataka, attaching the third and fourth movements that composers didn't do this. This was something that 
that Beethoven was a rule breaker and a troublemaker. And that's one of my favorite things about that symphony, is going from that timpani solo at the end of the third movement into this glorious opening of the fourth movement, complete with trombones, making their entrance into the realm of the symphony orchestra, and composed this music while he was deaf. And John just stood, just sat there. And as the bell was about to ring, he raised his hand and he said, Mr. R, would it be okay during lunch today if I could bring my lunch into your room and we could listen to the whole piece from start to finish? That, my friends, is music education for all of the right reasons.